0: Hello, friends, and Happy New Year. Larry David says uh, January 3rd, as I record this, is the last day. But you could say Happy New Year. So, Happy New Year, everybody. Our first episode of 2024. We had a Syracuse basketball post game show as well. But our first episode of Syracuse Sports in the new year. And I'm excited about it because you guys just can't get enough Syracuse football content. Can you believe it? It has been a month since Fran Brown took over formally as Syracuse head football coach. And it has been the most insane month of a Syracuse football off season that I have ever seen. It has been the best off season already in a month's time that Syracuse football, in my opinion, has had put a number on it. 20, 30 years, modern era ever. It's the best off season ever for Syracuse football. So I brought in Emily Liker, Syracuse.com and we went over who's on the roster, what it looks like now, the comings and goings in the portal for Syracuse. Some great questions from our Syracuse Sports Insiders that we answered and uh, some other insight and tidbits from this offseason so far. What's a Syracuse Sports Insider? I'm glad you asked. You should become one today. Being a Syracuse Sports Insider means that you get to text me directly, cut through the clutter of social media, cut through the... I'm going to email him. Will he get back to me? Will he? Will he not? When? You can text me directly. I text you directly. That's what being a Syracuse Sports Insider is all about. You get breaking news first. Some of the uh, significant things that happened in 2023, I was first to report that Syracuse was finalizing a contract with Fran Brown to become the head coach of Syracuse football. Our Syracuse Sports Insiders got that first. Our Syracuse Sports Insiders found out first that Kyle McCord had agreed to transfer to Syracuse football. Just a couple examples of breaking news. My insight, analysis, opinion, something on my mind, Syracuse uh, football, basketball, sports-wise, I texted to you first. The back and forth we've had during football and basketball games has been incredible. You guys shape this podcast, the topics that we do, the questions we can answer for you. You get priority on this podcast, by the way, to have your questions answered and during our Syracuse basketball post-game shows there's more, but that about covers the good stuff. Here's how you become a Syracuse Sports Insider. Just text the word ORANGE to 315-847-3895. By the way, here's a cool thing, guys. You can try it absolutely free for two weeks. Give it a shot. See what you like, what you don't like. Get some insight, analysis, questions answered from me. And if you don't like it, hey, no harm, no foul. You gave it a shot. But if you do, just three ninety nine dollars a month after that. You can cancel anytime. by the way. Become a Syracuse Sports Insider today. We're having a blast with you guys. Let's make that big in 2024. Let's talk Syracuse football because Emily Liker and I are just kind of having the opportunity to take a breath here and look at what has happened in the last month of Syracuse football. It has been crazy. Let's jump in with our Syracuse.com Syracuse football beat report. Emily, it is uh, merely January 3rd. Twenty twenty four. Happy New Year, by the way.
1: Happy New Year.
0: But I can already declare that this is the best offseason ever for Syracuse football. And there's more to come. It's certainly the most interesting offseason ever for Syracuse football. And I've seen a few of these in my day. This is incredible. What we have seen, we're finally like kind of over break, got a chance to take a breath. And even then we kind of couldn't take a breath because they were still bringing back players and commitments and transfers were still coming in, but I really got a chance to just like step back and be like, holy crap, this is unbelievable. What is happening? So I, I just want to start there now that you've had a moment to kind of uh, briefly exhale. And now we're kind of getting back at it here. Just what do you think of, of this off season we've seen in, in about a month of the Fran Brown era?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I, like I would like to introduce a new term besides off-season to address this because there really is no off-season in college Doesn't football, exist. at yeah. least for those like actually working in college football, both I mean like the coaches, but then also us. Um, I like to call it the irregular season. There's the regular season and the oh, irregular season. I uh, like and it. we're in the irregular season, and it surely has been anything but regular for us. It has been very irregular. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know it, it's kind of wild to think that it really has only been a month since Fran Brown has been formally introduced. Tomorrow, when this, I believe, will drop, uh, January fourth will be the one month since his formal introduction. Which is I didn't insane. even
0: mean for that good timing. Fantastic. <laughs> I know. Uh,
1: less than two weeks ago was uh, the the bowl game, which I. We don't want to revisit probably because it was just a bad time for everyone involved, I think. Um, but so so much has happened. And, you know, it, it's weird because in some ways there are like similar things that were happening around this time last year. Like last year, you, you were looking at new coaches coming in. There was coaching turnover happening, but it was all on the assistant staff and dealing with that. Um, now obviously coaching turnover is kind of wrapping up for Syracuse and, and we think they've kind of started to finalize that first year staff for Fran Brown. Um, so yeah, it, it's been a lot to unpack and it's just going to continue to be a lot. We know that everything starts on January 15th for them. And so, like I said, there's no off season. It's just a regular season.
0: I like that. That's a great term. And Fran Brown has tweeted that a couple of times. He mentioned it in uh, his last a uh, press conference that he did on signing day that 15th that's the first day that players are all back they're starting the weight room stuff and he said okay enjoy your time with your family now because on the 15th this thing is going to dial up here and this is an off season already emily you know just from our syracuse sports insiders alone but from everybody i mean, you're getting it too people cannot get enough football which is not always the case right you always had a core and a base of of fans that want to know what's going on and they're following the portal and they're football fans and they, and they always have questions, but it's interesting. Here we are as we record this the day after a Syracuse Duke game. And while there are certainly people that are discussing that and we're getting feedback on that, when I put out the note to our insiders that we're talking football, it was like Christmas morning again. I mean, they just can't get enough of this and I get it and I understand it. And you brought up a great point. This team by the way, held the record for the worst bowl performance by an ACC team for nine days until Florida State got throttled by Georgia. But think about that. Let's just say Dino Babers wins one more game during the regular season, gets to that seven-win plateau, and they lose that bowl game 45-0. And according to John Wildhack, that would have been enough to bring back Dino for another season. That was the threshold. Dino knew it, and now we know that 7-5 and was the mark. The feeling right now would not be anywhere close to what it is now. There's always a sense of, I guess, optimism, for lack of a better term, when a coaching change takes place. But we would not see some of the players that have come in. We would not have the feeling coming from the fan base coming in. It would just be like, oh, God, can they do this again? And a lot of the same questions would be recycling themselves. Instead, and this is one of my big takeaways from the offseason, Emily, is fans have something to look forward to, and it's not just a message. It's not just, here's what I'm going to do. It's what Fran Brown has done in a month's time, seeing some players coming in, notably Kyle McCord, but also transfers, flipping four-star recruits into signing day with just three weeks to do it, right? Right. And if you're a fan and you're looking at this and you start to look ahead and look, anything can happen between now and the start of next season, as we know, in the irregular season, as you put it, but that schedule on the surface looks pretty favorable. I mean, if Syracuse can Mm -hmm. scratch claw and, you know, MacGyver its way to six wins with the team they had last year, right? What can they do with this team now? And there's still players to be added. There's still another uh, signing day to come and there's still so much more to come but to in a month have and capture this kind of feeling I don't think you could have had that if Dino Babers was still around I don't think you could have had that in a lot of circumstances here and I think fans just have this feeling of like man this is legit it's not just you're trying to sell me something again they've they've shown some results they've shown their work in in a lot of ways in just a month's time
1: right and you know like there's kind of a big narrative I feel like especially this year with the the college football playoff expansion looming next year that like bowl games don't matter and I largely am of the opinion that a lot of the bowl games don't they're just kind of exposition expedition games at the end um to just kind of show off and and give guys one more chance which great like I get it like it's an end for some of these guys like we know like Caleb Okachuku, that was his last college game it's great for them to get like one more game under their belt but like there's not a lot of meaning ascribed to them and I think this was certainly like one of the most evident cases of that because like as soon as that game was over like even all the post-game questions for um who did we have up there we had we had Dan Villari and obviously Ninzio Campanelli as coach and then Marlo and all of the questions were what was Fran telling you like what was it like to have Kyle McCord on the sideline watching like all of this stuff because it was like okay even though you just got throttled by a team that you should have made an even fight against, like it doesn't matter because there's a new staff coming in. There's all this stuff. There's all this turnover. Um, they turn the page. So yeah, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like there was no need to talk about how bad that game was because a year from now, like things could look completely different for this program.
0: And you brought it up. So Marlow X comes back. They did this in a, in a three day span started on Christmas day and it was kind of a, a late uh, a continuing Christmas gift for Syracuse fans. Justin Barron started it. I think I've got my order right here. Then a Randy Gatson the next day. Mm-hmm. He's coming back. And then I was really surprised that Marlo Wax decided to come back because I think he could have. Now, would he have gotten drafted? I think he could have worked his way into being a draft pick. I certainly think he would have been given a big shot in an NFL training camp in an offseason to make an NFL team. But I did not expect all three to return. I frankly, if you had told me all three had turned the page and left for various reasons, certainly would have on a understood it. And B wouldn't be surprised by it considering just life and circumstance, the portal, the NFL calling, whatever the case may be, but maybe that bowl game, here's the meaning of that bowl game. It it put a, a taste in the mouth of these guys that if I've got another chance to be a part of something big here, that they're going to be a part of it. And Emily, that's big because as much as Fran Brown is flipping the roster, bringing in new blood and and addressing needs. You need some leadership around. You need some guys that are, that know what Syracuse football has been, what they want it to be, how things work. And even Kyle McCord's the starting quarterback, presumably he's the leader of the team, presumably, but there's a lot of things that leaders that have been around for a couple of years can, can speak to their voice is important. And those are three big ones right there so you've got Fran Brown recruiting current players and getting them to buy in to what's happening in just a month's time which is really important as well so Emily our friend Nate Mink did uh, God's work here in putting together the scholarship roster as it stands so as we speak there are 87 scholarships spoken for the hard cap is 85 there's still some transitions to take place. I imagine when this team comes back on the 15th, we're going to start to see who's there, who's not. When the new semester starts, you always look to see who's registered, who's not. This, this number will change, and I think they'll be fine as it goes. And it doesn't even finalize, as you pointed out, on social media today until August. But I thought it would yeah. be good just to take a look at it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, before we do that, though, we have to note one of the big – off-season moves here, ladies and gentlemen. Was that Emily met Rock and Ron, <laughs> podcast legend? Yeah, <laughs> there's my guy right there. Rock and Ron. At the we Boca had a great Bowl.
1: Time.
0: Yeah. What was uh, what was what was it like uh, hanging with our guy Rock and Ron down there in Boca?
1: I so we we had uh, we had like coffee before the game. He drove down like pretty much three hours by himself um, to come to the game
0: wow and
1: obviously he, he texted me like mid-game and was like this is really disappointing and I was like, <laughs> i'm sorry ron like, i don't know what to tell you but no he was great um he does sound like he does on the phone though he admitted that that's also just his former dj persona coming out a little bit oh, i like that rock and rock and ron is formerly a dj you guys it's awesome um and so yeah we just had a we just had a great time i mean he's he's a life pretty much a lifelong syracuse fan he's originally from watertown so still has a 315 area code which that's i was right. surprised by but lives down in florida and and he's he's excited about the fran brown era so it was, it was a great time to chat in with that's my regret
0: not missing the beach and the warm temperatures that i i didn't get to meet rock and run but i will one day for sure yeah All right, here we go, Emily. Quarterbacks, as we know, the notable addition was Kyle McCord. He's the presumed starter. He's the highest-rated player that Syracuse has had on their roster since they really started, you know, ranking these things in depth about 20 years ago. The most notable addition, the home run call here, and frankly, a needed addition for this team, considering Carlos Del Rio Wilson uh, was injured, didn't look like the guy, Braden Davis. I mean, they didn't even trust him to throw the football enough and maybe he can work his way into a backup role with Garrett Trader moving on you needed an impact at that position and man you know this Emily being a part of the process when i got the a very early tip that Kyle McCord was on Syracuse's radar like that was my wow moment like hold on mm-hmm. a second here they can get in the room with this guy they have the NIL resources to get this guy you can yeah. get him to listen Kyle McCord had options for all the talk about what Ohio State fans just really and we could do a whole podcast on how they treated that kid frankly but he had options but Syracuse was the one that that's a that's a game changer right there for Syracuse that someone like him would bring in but what kind of quarterback are we talking about here
1: yeah you know I mean he's a guy who was a very successful passer for Ohio State um he, he did not use his feet as much, though I know we both know that that, that seems to be a, a variety of factors in that. Um, certainly a different quarterback than I think Syracuse has grown accustomed to in, in watching Schrader the past few years and even, I think, with Tommy DeVito when he was here. Um, so it's certainly going to be a, a switch towards like a more pro-style NFL kind of QB. Um, I think the, the one thing that has concerned me, or not even concerned me, but the one thing I will be watching for and I think we won't really be able to gauge until game action and honestly maybe not until ACC action is that he did have some struggles when there wasn't a clean pocket for him to mm-hmm. pass from last year he was when he was under pressure Um and we all know that the offensive line has always been a problem for Syracuse and um at least under under Babers it was always a problem and, and maybe before that Um, so that's what I'm kind of waiting to see is can Fran Brown get together an O-line that is strong enough to relieve that pressure on McCord? Because if so, then it looks like all things are going to go great for him. Um, he has a host of wide receiving targets to, to go after, but that's my one thing that I'm like waiting to see how that will be handled, I guess, when we get to fall 2024.
0: Yeah, Emily, we got to jump in next to the offensive line because without question, the biggest topic on the minds of Syracuse fans, our insiders, is the offensive line. Are they getting offensive linemen? Who's coming in? Who are they looking at here? So you see it on your screen if you're watching on YouTube. That's what Syracuse has right now. You have a couple of seniors in Bradford and Joe Moore. Uh, Mark Petri as well, a red shirt senior, Josh Aloha back. Reed is back. Cruz Ellis, couple more juniors on the list there. David Wallabaugh Jr. Uh, assuming he gets healthy and returns next year. You have Joe Cruz, Bass, Mack, and now you're getting into the younger guys. And while well, you look at it initially and you see 16, a couple of recruits on there as well, 16 offensive linemen, that's great, but they still have to make, I don't want to put this kind of expectation on it, Emily, to say a Kyle McCord-like impact on the offensive line, but there's still some room to add. There's still some work to be done, and Syracuse has really got to shore up an offensive line. If this pro-style offense, as you mentioned with Kyle McCord and his difficulties using his feet, is going to work, it all starts right there. And As exciting as this offseason has been, as encouraging as it has been, (laughs) it all comes in into the trenches i know that's the biggest football cliche in life but syracuse fans are still looking like
1: yeah but but what about that offensive line right and i mean 16 guys sounds like a lot but you're playing you're playing five you need another five on the depth chart five of those guys are freshmen or redshirt freshmen that are certainly not going to get very much, if any, playing time, just because they're going to be smaller than the guys they're going up against as 18-year-olds. Um, And a lot of those guys that are on that list are guys that have battled injuries either this past season or within the past two seasons that you have to be worried about getting re-injured again. Uh, Wollobod does, uh, I believe, is healthy now or is on pace with his recovery. He was one of those guys that Um, like Gadsden had his boot off at the bowl game and and was kind of doing light work and stuff like that. Um, We'll see where he's at by the time spring starts, but it's just, it's one of those positions where injuries happen so easily and so often it feels like, and there's already a large history of that. And so it's, yeah, it's going to be tough again. I just don't, that's. I think that's always going to be my position that I am, like, wary about until there's been, like, multiple seasons proving me wrong.
0: No question about it. Let's wrap up the offense here. There's the running backs, a couple of seniors and Price and Branham, LaQuinn Allen returning, of course. Uh, the big addition in recruiting was Yassine Willis, who was a flip from Pittsburgh to Syracuse, a four-star freshman coming in, wide receivers. So Alford comes back. That's somewhat of a surprise, right? couple more uh, veteran guys and Meeks, Umari Hatcher returns, Trevor Pena, of course, who was uh, banged up for most of last season, remains on the roster at this point, Donovan Brown, and then a couple of key additions, Zed Haynes comes in, a transfer who has a lot of eligibility left, Daryl Gill Jr. comes in, and then the two freshmen that really popped in recruiting, and some, uh, a couple of flips included as well and Jalen Hornsby and Emmanuel Ross. Tight ends, yeah. Our guy, Aronde Gatson, is still technically listed at this position. But we all know he should be in the one we just looked at. Dan Villari, of course, coming in. And, Emily, the big thing with Valari is the leadership He said it in Syracuse's last press conference, not the bowl game, but the the regular season game against Wake Forest about the accountability and some of the culture changes that needed to be made. Mm -hmm. And it feels like we brought up the leaders that are coming back. He's a huge leader coming back because it feels like he is really leading the charge on something like that. So a key addition, how he held the team together, playing every position in the book that seemed like down the stretch, but also somebody that could I I think have a captaincy on his chest next year, even with a, a lot of veterans returning and a quarterback and Kyle McCord there. But even if he doesn't officially have it, like he's, he's a leader by example.
1: Oh, definitely. And, and, you know, he he's, I mean, he spoke pretty much every opportunity that we had to speak with guys like this season. It felt like, and yes, partially that's because we would request him because we knew he was good, but also would come out post game. And, and he always seemed willing and, and um able to talk to us like he, he was always giving us good stuff even even when you could tell he was not doing well post game or or stuff like that so certainly bags I, I of
0: ice he, all over him that, yeah
1: bags of ice <laughs> taped to his body and, and stuff like that but yeah as to your you brought up the the culture and accountability and, and stuff like that that he had mentioned at the end of the wake forest game um when i talked to him during during bowl week he did say that he felt like Coach Brown was addressing all of those things and that he wasn't going to need to speak up about that anymore. So that certainly is promising as well.
0: Let's flip over to the defense. Another big position of need is a defensive line for Syracuse. So Darton, redshirt senior, Braylon Ingram, uh, the huge addition for Syracuse in the portal, Fidel Diggs from Texas AM. He's certainly going to get on the field a recent addition. They call him the tank. Dion Wilson Jr. comes in from New Mexico State. Also, had spent some time at Arizona. Dennis Jaquez Jr. coming back, and then you go through the list. King Joseph Edwards is the huge recruit that pops for Syracuse. He was just somebody that was prevalent on social media. That you know, when he came up for the visit, when we saw the Ferraris and the Hibachi, and his big uh, announcement, the 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 streaming event that was there, Emily what really stands out to me about recruits and recruiting is they recruit each other, right? Once somebody like starts that snowball rolling down the Hill, there's somebody that kind of advocates with other recruits, talks with other recruits. It felt like King Joseph Edwards was that guy. And he might be somebody who can make an impact as a freshman. The coaches told him flat out, he's got an opportunity to get on the field. And I think in this position, while improved in the portal in other ways, I think he's got a shot to to at least get on the field in, in certain situations next year.
1: Yeah, certainly. I I think he's definitely at the top of the list of this incoming true freshman class of, of guys um who could be up there and be playing. And you know what? I, I think something that's that's worth pointing out and is interesting as well too, is um he already has like a community service project set up up here um Chris Carlson and I were talking about it yesterday with one of the local high schools he's doing like a toiletries drive and so we know that Fran Brown has made an emphasis on saying that he's going to get involved in the community and we've seen that a little bit already and he's bringing in players that that want to do the same and so I I do think that's exciting for for Syracuse fans I've seen a lot of people positively respond to that on, on Twitter and stuff like that
0: linebackers uh the big one of course Marlo Wax. Decides to come back. Some familiar names there. McDonald, Sparrow returns. Uh, Fatim Diggs, who's Fidel Diggs' brother, a commitment to Syracuse. Jaden Brown, another commitment for the Orange there. And I, I feel like that is a position that you just see depth there. You see familiar names. You see depth. You see guys. And this isn't always the case over the years. There's been times when Syracuse has had a real need at linebacker. But in that case, I feel like that's a position like, whether Marlowe Axe came back or that's a huge addition that he decided to, you would still feel pretty good about going into next season.
1: Right. Especially since, I mean, we don't know exactly what the defensive scheme, defensive formation is going to look like. And there's a chance they're only playing two linebackers next year if they go to like a four, two, five um front instead of a three-three-five. So then you're only looking at needing two of those guys. But certainly linebacker was the deepest this past season and now seems to be kind of the, the deepest in, at least in terms of guys who were already on this team and who are remaining with this team this year. So um certainly not worried about that, but wax coming back is, is a big, big thing, for, I think, for this defense.
0: Here's another position of need and that is cornerback, but just to show you what's there, 13 returning at this point, Miles Farmer, the redshirt senior, Justin Barron gave Syracuse, the Christmas present deciding to come back, Elijah Clark on there. There's a name on here we're going to focus on here in a second, but a couple more that you recognize from last year transfers included Jaden Bellamy, Jaden Gold in there, and a couple of incoming freshmen. But <laughs> Emily at a offseason that has been as interesting as any. Deuce Chestnut is on that list. And considering what happened last year, considering Some not-so-veiled criticism that came from both Dino Babers and John Wildhack, by the way, specifically mentioning Deuce Chestnut and chasing, you know, the the, the bag of dollars and and the NIL money and the opportunity at LSU. Deuce even mentioned it in a very well-timed social media post, by the way, Stroke of Midnight, January 1st, he makes the announcement that he's coming back and even referenced it there that sometimes you have to fall to recognize where you need to be, right? No bones about it. It didn't work at LSU to the point where he was listed as inactive halfway through the season. Brian Kelly saying like, yeah, deuce, deuce who? We don't know who you're talking about, right? Like it did not work. It isn't an example of somebody that saw an opportunity elsewhere at a school that's noted for its secondary and its cornerbacks and the number of players they put in the National Football League And saw an opportunity through the portal and the circumstances that now exist in the portal to come back where he's accepted, where he's wanted a number of of players, former players, certainly fans were like, I'm thinking of that Dr. Evil meme, you know, where he's like, come, come, come back, come home. Right. And he did. It's incredible to think about, but Emily, this is where Fran Brown has really made an impact here. Camden, New Jersey. Deuce is a Camden guy. Fran's a Camden guy we have not heard from either party on this at this point I would imagine though that it's something to do with uh, Fran Brown reaching out and saying hey why don't you come back and let's not forget that Deuce was in the center of the LaQuinn Allen situation a year ago where Allen mentioned as as you reported on uh, well Emily that he was defending Deuce at that campus party and that came out through the lawsuit and of course everything was uh, turned around. quint Allen was declared eligible, but Deuce left. What was it? Two days after that incident, a year ago. Yeah, just, so,
1: just about.
0: Yeah, a lot can change.
1: Yeah, you know it, it's it's been a long. I mean, it, it's been over a year now. I guess close to like fourteen months since that that December incident back in twenty twenty two, with with Deuce and and LaQuint and. Like you just said, Deuce went into the, the portal shortly after and has been relatively quiet about that, that whole situation. Um, denied a lot of requests to talk with people. Um, uh, I think he talked with his his hometown paper a little bit, but that, that was about it. So certainly lots of questions for him now that he's back about that situation, about what happened at, at LSU. Um, uh, there were some rumors earlier this season, right after news kind of came out that he was not like actively with LSU that he had come up here and visited campus um and maybe hung out around the team that would have been when Dino was still here and coaching um like you said too all the all the kind of call outs by by Dino and wild Hack about Nil money and and leaving for those purposes is certainly interesting so yeah you know Deuce is a bit a big story um he is certainly a big addition back to this. Secondary room. I mean, I believe he was an All-American freshman. His his first season here in 2021. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see. I think how this unfolds in in the spring and and maybe what we find out from him about any of these kind of off-season, off the field things that have happened. But um, certainly, there was there was a lot of excitement from both the team and and fans. It seemed on social media.
0: All right, so there's the roster. There's some of those names, if you were uh, confused, like, frankly, we were at times, about the comings and goings, and holy cow, this is just insane. Let me now ask this, and I'm going to go to our Syracuse Sports Insiders and some great questions they asked here shortly, Emily. Where does Syracuse help itself the most? To this point, more to come, but as we speak, where did this team help itself the most?
1: I honestly think (sighs) – I'm going with my gut and I'm saying wide receiver. We saw how, how bad, not bad, but just how many issues there were with the wide receiving core this season of inconsistency. And you know what? I'm sure that's also because we found out that Garrett Schrader wasn't practicing most of the time during the year. He told me that when we talked after his kind of end of career announcement Um, and, and that, but just the wide receiving core this year left a lot, to be desired um and now you have two georgia guys coming in as transfers who we mentioned you have the couple uh four-star three-star new jersey freshmen and so that that has buffed out a little bit you'll get ironda gadsden back next year hopefully trevor pina as well and so i think just by the moves fran brown has made in in bringing in new talent and then also retaining the talent at that, that position did have also it's seemingly damian alford um, who I think can be a good receiver, just needs a little bit more of that consistency. um that that's the position I would say so far, just on paper, I think has been improved the most.
0: I think that's a great answer in terms of position, in terms of x's and O's. I'm going to cheat a little bit on this question though. I think where Syracuse has helped itself the most is reputation
1: in mm-hmm. a month. That's fair.
0: Fran Brown has said, yes, you can come to Syracuse. Yes, you can play here. Yes. You're going to get some NIL money in some cases where, and there's a great question from our insiders. I'll get more into this in a second here, but there are more resources available there than were a month ago, right? Syracuse is, there is buzz about this program. The recruiting analysts have to pay attention now. Syracuse is on that platform, right? And i start, I don't, you, know, you could point to where it started. Kyle McCord was the, the big boom there, To have the right coaches in place, not just Fran, to have an Elijah Robinson, to have a Nick Williams, to have guys that are out there and are connected and can get in the rooms with these players, circle back on these players and convince them to come to Syracuse. That right there is a major win because Dino Babers couldn't do it. Scott Schaefer couldn't do it. Doug Marone somewhat could do it. Fran Brown has already done something in a month that those coaches blood, sweat, and tears into and just could not crack, right? And we're seeing the results of that. I'm not just saying that because that's what I think. It's because I, I, what I see and what the results are already from some players in the portal and recruiting and more to come down the line. What they still need, I think this is a pretty obvious answer, Emily, and I'm going to merge the offensive and defensive line here and just say in the trenches, the defensive line seems like it's gotten a couple of, of names of note there, notably Fidel Diggs. But man, it's offensive line. It's, it's what they still need. It's what they're going to still need yeah. till they they kick off and game one of the 2024 season.
1: Yeah, that that's the only obvious answer. And you know what? Like I, it, the trenches is something a lot of programs do struggle with because it, it's there are only so many guys that can do that available. And so like it's this is not like an exclusively Syracuse problem. Like there are schools that do line work very very well but i think the vast majority of schools have only mediocre lines on both sides of the ball if i'm being honest um so like this is not like a totally unique problem but um certainly it's one that you would like to see talked about less or have to be the focus less going forward if there is any way fran brown can manage that
0: look emily you watch the college football playoff i watch the college football playoff <laughs> a la freaking bama could not snap the ball throughout the game, okay? And we're talking about the best of the best, the high-level, just pick of the litter, offensive lineman on that team, couldn't snap the football, okay? Or keep Milro protected, yeah. Exactly, right? Look at that last play. That last play broke down. That's not where he wanted to go. Michigan, credit to their defensive line, pressured him all day. That's Alabama, folks, and they're struggling there. So Syracuse kind of have to put it into perspective right to the insiders we go ladies and gentlemen it is so easy to become a syracuse sports insider you should today just text the word orange to 315-847-3895 been having a great back and forth with our insiders on syracuse football basketball lacrosse season coming your questions your comments really enjoyed connecting with you guys but let's keep it going here in 2024 and our first question uh, today comes from Paul, Emily, who says, my question is, how good do you think Syracuse football will be next season? Considering the talent that Fran Brown is bringing in, what expectations should we as fans have?
1: This is a good question. You know, <laughs> it's always hard, right? Because there are so many factors talking about a season. Like mm-hmm. you got to look at who the other players, Teams they're playing are you got to look at uh, like and just like looking at that in January is so hard because the team that they have on their schedule now and like what they did this past season is not going to look like the team they're playing in in 2024. Um, that being said, like I looking at what the schedule is and who they've retained and all the roster talk we've just done, like I think like a seven, eight, nine win season is reasonable. Um, It's not going to be a perfect season by any, any regards. I don't think they're just going to come out and all of a sudden be ACC contenders in in year one. Um, But certainly I, I don't think we will see like the five game losing streak ACC despair that we've seen the past two seasons from Syracuse. And, and I think that should provide hope to Syracuse fans knowing that, Hey, like We might win in November this year, and we might not have to lose five games straight and watch a team that is spiraling in the later half of the season. So I think that's reason for hope.
0: The schedule is favorable on paper. Like you said, things change. Teams are different. I think Syracuse is an opportunity to be the 2024 Louisville, make a lot of changes. They had a favorable schedule, took advantage of that favorable schedule. No Florida State, no Clemson next year. All yeah. things to keep in mind here. And I said it earlier, Emily, and I'll repeat it here before we go to our next question. If you can MacGyver your way to six wins with the team they had this year, to expect eight or nine next year, is that completely out of the realm of possibility? I don't think so. But it's January 3rd, right? We can uh, mold that clay as we go, with uh, as we see the roster come together here. Roger W. says, the thing I'm eager to know is what kind of media access will be allowed with Dino's heavy restrictions to assistants and players and his shroud over everything. I lost interest.
1: Roger, Boy, I'm Roger. happy to report. <laughs> I
0: got good news for you, Roger. I got good news for you. I'm golf clapping this. We're going to get to
1: talk to the assistant coaches. Hooray. And, s- and staff. It sounds like I-, I think, yeah, as far as we know anyone on staff is, is fair game for us to ask for. And Um, now does that mean every time we ask for them, we are going to get them? No, not necessarily, but it is, it makes me feel really good that I can put in a request for someone like an assistant coach now and like, feel like it's reasonably being considered, which there was was many times last season that that did not feel like it was the case. It was
0: the dumbest policy that Dino Babers had. And I'm glad that Roger put it this way. Okay. I lost interest. Fran Brown gets it. He wants his coaches to step up, to succeed, to take the next level. Part of that is getting to talk to the media and present yourself. And this is who I am. This is what I can do. You can see the results, certainly what coaches do, and that's how they build their reputations. But fans want to get to know these guys. They want to hear their voice. You as a fan, unless you met him somewhere, did not know what Jason Beck sounded like, did not know what any of the assistant coaches sounded like, and, You had to kind of find other ways to do it. With Beck specifically, Jamie Beck, his wife, was very active on social media and would talk about their family. She kind of found a workaround to be like, hey, this is who's coaching your team, who's in the community, who's part of this thing. So thank you, Fran Brown, for being reasonable about this. And it's not just media access. When we talk about media access, it's access for you as a fan to know these coaches, know who they are, what they're about, and, and what their stories are right? right. The big, bad media coming in here. Dino was just always just wrong about that. Just, it was wrong. And I said it throughout the years and I'm just, uh, I'm happy to see that we've got a more reasonable policy going forward here.
1: And I think my, my thing has always been too, like, by allowing me to talk to more people on your STEM, you're allowing me to tell more fair, more well-reported stories about your program. Like, it is hard to assess what's going on in a program when you're only hearing from one person and you can only Correct. you're only seeing games. you're not seeing practices, you're not seeing whatever else. And we don't know like yet if if we'll be allowed at practices at all that that type of policy varies a lot more among teams from what I've um, gathered just from talking to people in the industry versus talking to assistants. but it, this is a a win for everyone,
0: yes. It absolutely is. I'm glad you, you put it that way. Matt Z says, given the success that Fran has had so far, is it possible Syracuse has landed a whale of an NIL donor or reconnected with Adam Weitzman in a much less public way? I can answer this. On Weitzman, the answer is no. The flat out, no. He has not reconnected with Syracuse in that way. In terms of has Syracuse landed a, quote, whale of an NIL donor, uh, no, but. What has happened is some previous donors that let's just say were not encouraged by their relationship with Dino Babers have come back to the table. John Wildhack even mentioned this at a recent press conference that they had new donors show interest. I did a a story about what Orange United, the preferred NIL collective of Syracuse university saw in terms of fan donations. Right. But let's face it, when you're bringing in Kyle McCord, and from what I've heard, Kyle McCord's getting about $600,000, all told, in NIL deals, right? Someone's got to step up in the, the big booster department. They Now, I have not heard names, Emily. I'm trying. Some people prefer to remain private in this way, and I don't think that's the way to do it, but that's just my opinion. That's their preference. The answer is yes. They have landed some more donors, some more significant donors that, by the way, have been there all along, just for whatever reasons, did not want to contribute under Dino Babers. I think the relationship with the former players has a lot to do with that. There's a hint for you. So there's more there, and there could be more to come in that department. There is certainly a lot percolating there. Is it Adam Weitzman, though? No, the answer is no. Ryan W., what kind of X's and O's should we expect to see on both sides of the ball? I've heard rumblings of the offense working in a pro style, taking snaps from center, 4-3 defense potentially. Emily, we know Jeff Nixon, who is going to be announced as the offensive coordinator for this team as soon as the New York Giants season is over, wants to run a pro-style offense. The defense, yeah, we're still trying to figure out what Robinson wants to do. Certainly, we can watch a Texas A&M tape and see if he borrow some concepts from there. But what's your early read on, on the X's and O's?
1: Yeah, certainly pro-style offense is what I've heard as well, um, just from players and and getting to talk to people so far that that seems to be the consensus still trying to get a read on on the defense obviously having a, a defensive-minded head coach um who has worked with the secondary like you have to think like the secondary is going to be a big part in the in this this defense um and kind of a defensive emphasis but also obviously a defensive coordinator who's worked with the d-line um there's going to be i would guess like kind of a mixing and molding of uh, Robinson and. Brown's kind of philosophies and different things they've picked up in their different stops. So I'm not quite sure yet on formations. Certainly, I I feel fairly confident in saying that they won't run the three three five again. Like I don't think they would stick <laughs> yeah. with that. We know um, that, yeah. We we know that, yeah. <laughs> but um, I do think they they will move around formations a lot. I do think one thing Brown has kind of alluded to is that like he's all about just putting the best players on the field at any given time so like if he feels like the linebacking core is better than the defensive line ends up being like maybe he does play more linebackers or rotates through different formations um but that the x's and o's thing is another thing that kind of we just have to wait until we get a glimpse in practice um which will probably be in mid to late march which is when spring football usually starts
0: One more thing before we go, guys, Uh, right here in line with what we've been doing here, answering your questions. Emily is doing a mailbag. So please send her questions, ones we did not answer in this segment, ones I have not answered to you, our Syracuse Sports Insider. So, Emily, uh, how can they get in touch to contribute to an upcoming Syracuse football mailbag?
1: You can email me at E L E I K E R at syracuse.com, or you can DM me on. X at emleiker my handle on there so DM email if you find some other way to get in contact with me you can do that but I might not respond those are the best two ways to do that is email or DM
0: fantastic so we're looking forward to that looking forward to uh, the best off season ever continuing for Syracuse football there is so much more to come I cannot believe it's been a month. All this stuff that's happened, it it feels like it, the lack of snow we've had in central New York so far in winter, which is about to change, by the way, maybe affects this. It feels more like April, and we just came yeah. out of spring practice as opposed to January 3rd. But that's how crazy it's been. And Emily and I and Chris Carlson and Nate Mink and the whole crew will be on it for you to track it all and love the stuff we've been hearing from you guys. Keep the questions and the comments and the opinions coming from our Syracuse Sports Insiders but that is going to do it for this edition of Syracuse sports presented by Krause health, the official healthcare partner for Syracuse athletics. Guys, we will talk to you next time. Thanks for hanging with us today.